Joshua 1, verse 1 through 5 says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. In other words, every place they put their foot, they were, God says, okay, that's yours. Take another step, okay, God, that, okay, and God would say, okay, that's yours. It says, from the, the wilderness and this Lebanon, verse 4, even unto the great uh, river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now, that's what he said would happen. And as you read through the book of Joshua, you find that's exactly what did happen. Uh, and, and God just gave them victory after victory after victory and gave them land as they went along. Go with me to Joshua chapter 24. You get to the end of the book, and uh, Joshua 24 and verse 15. Joshua 24, 15. This is uh, Joshua speaking, and he's given the people a choice. And evidently he already saw the, uh, the, the, the halted minds, the wondering which way to go. Should we serve God or should we serve other gods? And in verse 15 it says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. And the reason why they dwelt there was because their God gave them the land. And uh, then the last part of the verse it says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You don't find statements like that uh, anywhere, even a semblance of that in the book of Judges. In fact, you get to the book of Judges and there's failure after failure after failure after failure. And so, you know, the question is, what in the world happened? What happened? You go from constant victory to continual failure. There was 111 years that are represented in the book of Judges, and it's 111 years of defeat. Now, one of the, one of the themes of the book of Judges is, is, uh, is this saying, and you find this throughout the book. It says, every man did that which was right in their own eyes. And because of that, uh, God did not give them victory. God gave them, gave them failure. But why? What, what caused them to go in that direction rather than in the direction of victory that they come out of in the, in the book of, of Joshua? It, it seems like after Joshua, uh, the Lord just quit working. Now, he didn't quit working because of his choice. He quit working because of their choice. And, and, but when God stops working, no matter, no matter what you do, you're just going through the motions. When the power of God leaves, when the strength of God leaves, 
uh, you may still be, be doing the things you did before, but you're just going through the, going through the motions. Uh, go with me to 1 Samuel. Here's an example of it. 1 Samuel, this was still in that era, in that time period. In 1 Samuel 4, look at first four verses. And it says, And the word of, of Samuel came to all Israel. Now, Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched uh, beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the, when the people were come into the camp, the elders of, of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today after the Philistine, or before the Philistines? Let us, let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us, out of the hand of our enemies. So, the, so the, the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord uh, uh, of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And what, what they were doing here is real obvious. It's, they said, bring us the Ark and things will change. As long as we have the ark, it will. So, do you notice it said it? Didn't say God. Didn't say He. Said it. It'll save us. And uh, what they started to do was they started to put their their uh, their trust in things rather than in God. God ceased to be personal to this generation, and because of that, they just they just faced defeat after defeat after defeat after this they're they're uh, going to samuel and saying uh listen we want to be just like the other nations uh, we want we want to have a king uh i think of that every time i hear some politician say we want to be like the european countries i don't know have you ever been to the european countries uh you know i i appreciate what they have but uh uh, there's a lot of people from Europe that leave Europe to come to here <laughs> because it's freer over, well, it used to be freer over here. Uh, we're, we're swiftly losing that freedom. But, but uh, uh, what they wanted was they wanted to be like the heathen nations. And, and there's a reason for that. Actually, there's three of them. And we're going to look at three of the things that, that Joshua's generation failed to do. And if we don't do this, we will fail the next generation. These are three things that are absolutely important. Take your book, Bibles and turn to uh, the book of Judges chapter 1. Judges 1. Judges chapter 1. The first thing we'll see that Joshua's generation failed to do was they didn't fully remove the sinful influences out of the land. They came into a land and, and they, they took it, they conquered it, but then they didn't fully rid themselves of the influences that, that were therein. Uh, Judges chapter 1, look down, in verse, look down in verse 19. Verse 19 says, And the Lord was with Judah, 
and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. Now understand, God had promised them beforehand that uh, there'll be nobody they can't have victory over. And so it, if, if there is no victory here, it's not God's fault. It's their fault. And they, they did not rid those influences out of the land. Look down in verse 21. It says, And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. Drop down to verse uh, 27. Verse 27 says, Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shean and her, her towns, nor Tanakh and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Iblium and her towns, uh, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo, Megiddo and, and her towns, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. And it came to pass, when Israel was strong, that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. In other words, they taxed them, but they didn't get them to leave the land. They didn't drive them out. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Nahalal, but the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Akko, nor the inhabitants of Zidon, nor of Alab, nor of Aksib, nor of Helba, nor of Aphek nor of Rehob, but the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, nor the inhabitants of Beth, uh, Beth, An Anath, Beth Anath, but he dwelt among the, the, the uh, Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, nevertheless the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and of Beth Anath, uh, became tributaries unto them. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains. And so you've got the, the heathen pushing out instead uh, the Israelites. And uh, in verse 34 it says, For they would not suffer them to come down to the valley, but the Amorites would dwell in Mount Heres, in Agilon, and in Shalbim, uh, yet the, uh, land, the hand of the, the house of Joseph prevailed, so that they became tributaries. And the coast of the Amorites was from the going up to Akrabim, from the rock and, and upward. So what you, what you see happening, what's going on, is that uh, time after time after time, when they had an opportunity to get the, the people totally out of the land, get the influences out of the land, they failed to do so. And, and this is, is something that we need to be so careful of. Uh, the world is constantly knocking at our doors. I mean, you know, you get bombarded by the world. You open up, uh, you, you know, you, you, you turn on television, you get bombarded by the world. 
You, uh, you start up your computer, you're bombarded by the world. You drive down the, the highway, you see billboards, you're bombarded by the world. You turn on the radio, you're bombarded by the world. Uh, I've, I've heard many people say, you know, you can watch a, a, a decent film or movie, and th but then the, the commercials are so bad. There's, there's so much garbage and so much junk. Uh, we have to be careful because the world is constantly trying to push in our doors, come into our homes, come into our lives. And we need to do everything that we can to push that influence out. And, and what we often do is we let the world in or we let the world stay. And that's what they did. They let, they let some of those, those ungodly people stay. And what always happens in a situation like that is that the world influences the believer rather than the believer influence the world. And that ends up going in the wrong direction. Uh, I've, I've watched something. One of the... One of the, the, the blessings, I guess you could say, of, of being saved for as long as I have been. Uh, it's been over 50 years now, and I've been able to watch some trends and watch some things happen. And I say blessing, watching the, watching the trend is, in and of itself has been, been a tug on my heartstrings because of what I've seen. What I've watched is this. I have seen... Uh, churches and I have seen Christians that back 50 years ago the world was here and Christians were here and there was a, quite a, a distance between them but as the world got worse the Christians kept that same distance from the world well in some cases they did in some cases they scooched right up next to it but uh uh, they, but they moved along with it. By the time you're down about 25, 30 years, the, the world's way over here, the Christians are here, but they're where the world used to be. And that ought not to be. Uh, we need to be very, very careful of influences that, that uh, come in. And we need to make sure that those influences are, are, are removed from our homes. Um, there's a good possibility I'm talking to some folks that have some influences, have some things in your home that ought not to be there. You know, we need to be careful about what we look at. We need to be careful what we hear. We need to be careful what, we, what, uh, what, what, what things come into our lives and influence our lives. Parents, parents, I, I believe today more than ever before because, you know, I, I appreciate Technology as much as the next guy, but can I tell you, this this little uh, this little thing in my pocket can cause more trouble if it's not watched, and if you're not careful, uh, the the world will come in and will absolutely uh, you know will absolutely uh, take over your heart and mind if you're not careful. Uh, even just getting so attached to this thing that you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything without it. Um, there's something wrong there, and we just need to be careful. Uh, parents, you need, to, you need to, to be supervisors over your children, and uh, you, need to, you need to monitor the influences in their lives. For instance, friends are an influence. You should control your children's friends. Um, years ago, I heard a, I heard a uh, man who worked with youth for, for years 
Uh, Marty Heron was his name. And uh, Marty, said, Marty said this, he says, if you can control who your children's friends are, you can control your, your children. If you can't control, if you've lost control of, of who their friends are, you've lost control of your kids. Um, we, need to, we need to superintend who their heroes are. Um, you know, I, 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 I want my children, of course my children are grown now, but I want them to have godly heroes, not ungodly heroes. And, you know, it used to be, in fact, I, I started to watch a little bit of a, of a uh, movie. It's an old, old film uh, that was done back in, I want to say, the 70s. I think it was a, it was a uh, made-for-TV movie, and it was, and I had seen it years ago. And, I, and so I thought I'd just rewatch some of it, watched a little bit of it. And uh, it's on the life of Vince Lombardi, who was the coach up, at, uh, up in Green Bay uh, for the Green Bay Packers. And um, uh, I mean, he was tough on that team. Uh, he would, he would uh, uh, take those guys and put them into a motel before the game and uh, wouldn't let them break curfew. Told them they had to be in at 1030 at night. Try doing that as a football coach today. Um, but, I mean, he was just very, very careful about what kind of influences those guys had that would distract them from what they were there to do, which was to play and to win football games. Um, you know, and, and having men like that, even though they're, they're, they're lost men, uh, if they've got some character, that's okay. Lots of luck finding that in the sports world today. I mean, for the most part, and, and every now and then you find an exception to the rule, but for the most part, these guys are a mess when it comes to character. As a, as a parent, you ought to superintend your children's heroes. You, you need to be careful of their entertainment, uh, whether it be computer games or whatever it might be. Um, you ought to know what they're doing. You need to know what they're what. That is your responsibility. And don't let the wrong influences come in. Uh, you know, watch over the travel. Watch over their music, uh, the books that they read, uh, their, their clothes, the computer, just the, the whole nine yards. I've, I've heard parents, over the years, I've heard parents make comments like this. Well, I just don't want to interfere. Since when was protecting your children, loving your children, caring for your children, uh, uh, interfering? That's not interfering at all. That's doing your job as a parent. That's doing your job. And, uh, and you know, if, if, if you were on the, uh, on a, walking down the street and somebody jumped out of, a, of a, the side of a building and started beating on you, and uh, all of a sudden, a policeman showed up and pulled the guy off of you and arrested him. Would you go up to that policeman and say, listen, I don't appreciate that. You interfered in my life. <laughs> no, you wouldn't do that at all. You'd thank the man. Now, now, you know, I realize kids don't thank us when they're young, okay? But they thank us when they get older. And uh, it, it is, it's our job. It's our responsibility. Uh, and, you know... Um, one of the things that we need to be so careful of, and I think this has to do with the business of letting the influences in, 
we, we sometimes will accept a partial victory as a victory. Partial victory really isn't a victory because, because something has remained, something has seeped in and will continue to influence us. And that, that's exactly what they did in, in, the, book of, in the book of Judges. It, it says that they would get in, they get a partial victory, they think it's a victory. Well, it really wasn't. Because what remained and what stayed there was, were the things that would, would uh, change and, and turn away the hearts of the people of Israel to, to uh, the false gods. The second thing that the generation beforehand did not do, uh, this, the next generation wasn't taught what God did for the first generation. One of the things we need to be rehearsing uh, to not only our children, but other people that come up that are, you know, that uh, people that just recently get saved, uh, people that, that uh, are younger than we are, we need to be reiterating to them what God has done for us. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. Look in verses 8 through 10 with me. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in, in timnath Harris in the uh, Mount of Ephraim and the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. They didn't know God personally. And as I already said earlier, it's so important for for the, 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 the next generation to make our God their God. Uh, and, and, and I've watched that happen in this church over the past 30 years. That's been a privilege. It really has. Uh, you know, it's, it's good to see parents bring up kids the right way. But what is really exciting is when the kids get a hold of it, and now it's not just my father's God, it's my God. It's not my mother's God. It's my God. It's not what did God do for mom, not what did do, do for, for dad, what did God do for uh, somebody else that I know. But let me tell you what God did for me. Boy, that makes a big difference. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 44. Psalm 44. Let me ask you something, parents, and, and, and this is true not just of, of uh, parents with small children, but even those of us that have older kids. When was the last time you bragged on your God to your kids? When was the last time you told your kids about something that your God did for you? I think, I think it's important for, uh, for, for parents to tell their children what God has done. It's important for just in general, the older generation to let the younger generation know that God is worth serving. Um, one of the reasons why I, I uh, uh, make a big deal over anytime we have anything for kids here. Uh, we just recently in June had a 
big awards night for our kids that, that uh, finished up a year in master clubs and getting ready to start a brand new year this, this next Wednesday. And, uh, and we had a good attendance, and I'm thankful for that. I really am. Why is that so important? Because the kids need to see that we get excited about what God is doing in them, with them, and through them. Man, uh, we, need to, we need to support them anytime they do something right. And we also need to let them know what God has done for us. Look in uh, Psalm 44. Look at the first eight verses. It says, We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days and the times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with their hand and plantest them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst a favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God, command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that, that uh, rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever, Selah. I ask you something. When was the last time you just boasted on your God? What, what victories has God given you in recent days? What battles has he won? And, you know, I think it's good also to tell Tell uh, the, the, the next generation what, what weaknesses we have. Uh, one of, the, one of the, the bones I have to pick with many of the biographies that are out there of, uh, of, of, of Christian preachers and missionaries and, and, and uh, Christian people of the past, and people of faith, is that oftentimes it just talks about the victories and it doesn't talk about the struggles. And one of the things I, I so appreciate, I picked this up this time more than I, and I've watched it now several times. When we showed on a Wednesday night, the pineapple story. I think the thing I appreciated the most about that whole thing that, that night was that uh, uh, Otto Koning said, I struggled over and over and over and over and over again. I, I gave God my pineapples and then I went and took them back. <laughs> and then I gave it to him again and I took it back. I think it's good to point uh, to paint a realistic picture to the next generation of the Christian life. It is not without its battles. Now that doesn't mean God won't give you the victory. Sure he will. But you might have to go up against battle after battle after battle after battle after battle after battle before you get the final victory. Don't quit. And that's what, that's what Israel did. They gave up. They pushed, they pushed, they pushed, and they got tired of pushing. And so they let some of that stuff stay in. And because of that, those influences really turned the hearts of those that were in Israel, and particularly uh, the next generation. And, uh, and we need, to, we need to, to express to the generation previous to us uh, what God has done for us and also the struggles that we've had. 
what, what did God, what has God done for you in your life that you could not do for yourself? And have you told anybody? And not just your children, other people. Um, I, I love, I love that, that, uh, that verse, verse 8 of Psalm 44. In God we boast all the day long. Let me ask you something. Is that you? Is that me? You know, do I spend the day bragging on my God? We ought to. I, I tell you, can I say something to you tonight? We have a God we can brag about. Amen? We do. We have a God that we can brag about. And he is, he's been good and been strong on my behalf and on our behalf uh, over and over and over again. We need to let other folks know. They have got to see that God is real to you. If God isn't real to you, then God won't be real to them. And it's important for us to express that and to let people know. They need to see God in our lives. Uh, you know, as a, as a parent, let me ask you this. Has, have, have, your kids, have your kids ever seen you witness to somebody? Have they ever heard you give out the gospel? They need to. They need to. They, they need to know that that's a priority in your life. And uh, they need to see that, that God has given you some victories. And that there are some things that God has done for you that you could never do for yourself. And then, then the, the last area where they failed is that uh, no one trained their replacements. You, you look back at that, that whole scenario. Moses came out of Egypt, went into the, the wilderness. And the Bible makes it real clear that, that uh, Joshua served under Moses. And he served under Moses for many years. Moses trained Joshua. The, the question I have for you is, who is it? Can you point to someone that Joshua trained? Now, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not even trying to be critical of Joshua here. Uh, maybe there was nobody that wanted to be trained. I mean, Joshua had a servant's heart. And Joshua went and served Moses, and because he served him, he was trainable. Uh, but uh, is, there, is, there, you know, is there anyone that you are having an influence on in training for the next generation? Um, you know, a, a, a spiritual church starts with spiritual adults who reproduce themselves. And if we don't reproduce ourselves in our children and in converts, then eventually the church dies. And in order to be strong, we need to be reproducing ourselves. Um, you have talents. You have abilities. You have, you have things that, that uh, God has given you. You have things that, that, that you have learned over the years. Who are you passing it on to? Who are you passing it on? You know, it, it, thr it absolutely thrills my soul, the number of fellas that... Uh, are going to be uh, teaching and preaching the Word of God while I'm gone. That thrills me. That thrills me to death. You say, don't you feel threatened by that preacher? Absolutely not. Just the opposite. Just the opposite. I am, I am thankful. And I mean, as I said before, uh, good men and, and men that know how to handle the Word of God, that rightly divide the Word of truth. But are we, are we passing on to others 
what God has taught us. Michael Land uh, gave a testimony this morning in um, uh, adult Sunday school class about a scripture that had been a blessing to her this week. She had said that she got a, she always gets a blessing every time she reads about two fellas in the Old Testament under Moses. They were Aholiab and Bezalel. And I do too, because these two guys came along and God, God wanted them to, to uh, uh, do the, uh, do the, the on-hands work of building the tabernacle and, and uh, putting all the various instruments in there and so forth. And they, they didn't know anything. God gave them that wisdom. God gave them that knowledge. God gave them that ability. And then they went ahead and did it. But it also says they taught others. They taught others. They, 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 they took what God taught them and they passed it on to somebody else. They ask you, what are you passing on to the next generation? And I, I need to warn you about this. You know, we, 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 we get to thinking, well, I passed it on to my kids, so I've done my job. Yes, you've done your job in your family. What have you done in the church? You know, have you passed what God has shown you on to somebody else? You see all, you see all these, and, and, and I see a myriad of them. Uh, I've watched them come, and I've watched them go over the years. These discipleship programs. And I, I'm, not, I'm not against it. What I, what I do have a problem with is when discipleship becomes a program. I don't think it's a program at all. You know what discipleship is? Discipleship is one person showing another person what God has shown them. And just saying, let me encourage you on this thing, okay? And let me show you what God showed, showed me. And then when God shows them something, then they show the next person that comes along what God showed them. Uh, if, if you have musical uh, talent and ability, who are you influencing? Who are you training? If you know how to win somebody to Christ, and you've, you've had that opportunity and that privilege, who have, who have you shown? Who have you taken with you to, to do likewise? Uh, if you're teaching in Sunday school, who have you passed on some teaching skills to? If, uh, if, if you know how to work with your hands, which nobody in this church has ever had their pastor teach them how to do something with their hands, because my hands are useless when it comes to you know, hammers and saws. I made a, made a joke, this is years ago, and it really, it really is true. I pick up a hammer and three guys from our church run to take it out of my hand. Uh, because they know how much damage I can do with that hammer. Uh, I, I appreciated all the folks that were out here yesterday, and basically it was the Cory clan that was uh, out there. Uh, you know, uh, I, in fact, when I when I pulled in, there was there was uh, a Dan, and he had a he had a, a sledgehammer, I believe it was, and he had a big rod that was down. Uh, uh, See, I don't even know what it's called. But anyway, it was a great big metal steel thing. And it was down in some bricks. And immediate, and he was hitting that thing. And I wanted to break into song. I almost did. I almost went up to him and said, John Henry was a little baby sitting on his daddy. Uh, you know. Uh, or, or, and then there was a second song. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning. But I didn't. And uh, probably shouldn't have brought it up tonight. But anyway. Um, you know, I, I, I envy guys that can do that. Uh, but if you can do that, okay, that's good. Who have you taught and passed that on to? Uh, you got some knowledge. You got some, you got some expertise. 
Who have you taught? Um, you know, don't raise your hand. But how many of you have a good marriage? A lot of you do. Maybe all of you do. I don't know. Only you and your wife and God know the answer to that one. Well, your kids kind of figure it out, too. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what? If you've got a good marriage, that doesn't mean it's not, with, it's not without struggles. Of course it's with struggles. You know, I, I, you know I've, heard, I've heard people over the years say, my, my, you know, I, I've never had an argument with my wife. Well, then you probably don't hardly ever talk to her, do you? Um, <laughs> And that doesn't mean it's a knockdown drag out, but you know, I just appreciate folks that, that work through it and end up on the right side. All right, who have you influenced to have a good marriage in this church? God's given you a good one, okay? Be a blessing to somebody else. Uh, you've overcome some habits in your, we got some folks, we have some people in here that have been saved out of some real messes. And that's a blessing. I mean, that's really, that's a, that's, that's a thrill. I'm glad for that. I don't look down on you for that. I, I thank God for that. But who have you helped that's struggling with the same kind of thing? And, and you need to. Um, you know, if, if, if you're good at a particular talent or ability, you need to, to uh, learn how to take that talent and ability and, and uh, pass it on to someone else. So three simple things that the generation uh, ahead failed to give to the generation that was following them. Uh, they didn't remove the, the sinful, sinful, influ sinful influences. And it's so important that we do that. Uh, the next generation wasn't taught what God did for, for the first generation. Uh, they, they, they didn't hear people boast on their God. And then no one trained their replacements. They didn't teach to them what God showed them. It is so important for us to do all three so that we can save the next generation. The next generation really needs to not be as strong as we are. They need to be stronger than we are. I believe that, that uh, some of the things that uh, my kids and my grandkids particularly, and your kids and your grandkids are gonna face if the Lord tarries is coming um, it's going to be rough. It's going to be a lot rougher than what some of us went through. What are we passing on as far as a personal relationship with our God? What are we passing on to the next generation? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray that you get a hold of our hearts tonight and help us to realize that we have a responsibility, every one of us. Uh, you know, I'm not just preaching to the adults tonight. There are teenagers in here that need to be the right kind of influence to the younger kids. And there, uh, there are uh, single folks in this church that need to be uh, a blessing to the teenagers. And there are, uh, uh, there are uh, young couples that need to be a blessing to those that are, uh, are uh, just uh, coming up through the teenagers and, uh, year, teenage years and up into the 20s. Uh, Lord, we, we always have somebody that we can pass things on to. And Lord, if we don't, we'll end up like Israel. Where uh, Israel could have been the victor, they ended up being the victim. And every man did that which is right in, their, their, in his own eyes. And they ended up 
having a real mess on their hands. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. And as you speak to our hearts tonight about those areas where, that we need to shore up, may we make a commitment to you to shore those things up and to do that which pleases you so that the next generation can have an even stronger influence for the Lord than we had. Bless this invitation. Please speak to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.